I showed him the, the video and I'm like, look at this beautiful six point bull that you know, I, I didn't call him in, but I, you know, we bugled back and forth and I said, I don't know what it is about these elk. I can't figure them out. One of them comes running into calls and another one doesn't even give me the time of day. And uh, my dad just looked at me and said, what are you trying to tell the elk? And it's right there. I mean, that really kind of set up the, the whole strategy I have for calling elk because I was just throwing in these picture perfect competition type bugles, you know, that any judge in the world would have gave me a 10 out of 10 on, but it wasn't communicating anything to the elk. I've elk hunted my whole life, but until 12 years ago or so, I couldn't explain what I did or how I did it. And Jay Scott actually uh, interviewed me for an article he was writing and made me kind of stop and think about, you know, he's asking these questions about what do you do in this situation and how do you handle this? And as I started analyzing each of those, I realized there is a, an actual formula or a strategy that I use just mm -hmm. about every time. And it really helped me at least identify and, and define what that was. With my kids now hunting, being able to share those experiences with them just seems to magnify it, especially if it's their first time. You know, my son shot his first elk with a bow last year. And just being able to share that with him and to relive that just raw excitement and passion that sometimes, you know, we've been doing it so long, we still get excited. But then when you see a 13 year old shoot their first elk with a bow and walk up on it and turn around and look at you like this just really happened. Those are experiences you can't replace and just they're, uh, they're far better than any experience I've had on my own to be able to share that with someone like that. Hey guys, welcome to Throwback Thursdays. I've gone through my library and started picking out some of the most popular podcasts over the last 12, 14 years or whatever, how long it's been, I've forgotten now uh, that I've been doing this and um, we've re-edited them and put them out there for you guys to, uh, to check out. Uh, a lot of good information there. So forgive me, some of them might be a little bit poor quality, you know, depending on when it was recorded. But uh, Throwback Thursday is brought to you by HowlForWildlife.org. Howl for Wildlife was designed to give the hunter and angler a fast-acting tool to combat anti-hunting and fishing bills and initiatives. Howl has given us sportsmen and women not only the ability to act fast, but to amplify our voices and to be heard on issues concerning wildlife management. HAL supports science-based wildlife management and will continue to fight any initiative that goes against sound management. So become a member at howlforwildlife.org. Thank you. Let's jump into this episode. Well, we're back on with uh, Corey Jacobson of Elk 101, and we're going to do a little campfire session here, Campfire of the Masters. And uh, Corey's going to share with us, uh, hopefully, a couple of good hunting stories. What is some? What is what are your most memorable hunts that you can think? You of? know, there's there's been so many, and I really I I did a seminar last night, and I stressed everyone every day that I step into the elk woods is an opportunity to learn. And mm -hmm. after thirty some years of elk hunting. I still am hungry to learn as much as I can. And it's kind of the same when I, when I start looking back at hunting stories, you know, we focus on the fun ones, the ones where we kill a big bull or have a really cool encounter. But some of the most memorable ones are ones where we failed or we got close and just didn't quite come together. And I think yeah. if we can learn yeah. from those, there's a, there's a lot of growth that comes to us and, and helps us put the pieces together to be more consistently successful. So. One of those that stands out to me 
Uh, I was in college. I hadn't uh, filled an elk tag yet in my life. I think I'd been hunting for seven or eight years. And I loved carrying a video camera, even, you know, high school, carrying the great big VHS cameras on my shoulder. Just loved trying to document that. And and after eight years of not killing an elk, you would think, all right, it's time to leave the camera and get serious here. But I just, I loved having the camera. And I filmed uh, a bull. A bullet answered me across a clear cut. And nice six point, we're hunting over the counter tag up in Idaho. And I bugled and bugled at that bull. And every 15 minutes, he'd lift up his head and bugle back to me. And I would bugle. And five minutes later, nothing. I'd bugle again. And I just, he wouldn't come in. He wouldn't come in. I was getting frustrated. And the whole time I'm filming this, and I got home, and my dad was an outfitter. And he got home a couple weeks later from outfitting over in Oregon. And I showed him the, the video. And I'm like, look at this beautiful six-point bull that you know, I I didn't call him in, but I, you know, we bugled back and forth. And I said, I just, I don't know what it is about these elk. I can't figure them out. One of them comes running into calls and another one doesn't even give me the time of day. And uh, my dad just looked at me and said, what are you trying to tell the elk? And it's right there. I mean, that really kind of set up the, the whole strategy I have for calling elk because I was just throwing in these picture perfect competition type bugles, you know, that any judge in the world would have gave me a 10 out of 10 on, but it wasn't communicating anything to the elk. And so that experience really kind of kicked off the, the way that I call elk now. And I communicate with them. I'd say something with every bugle that I, you know, there's a purpose behind it. And so that experience, you know, as, as frustrating as it was to watch that big bull just feed down the ridge and go over the top and out of sight and not even give me the time of day. Uh, it was really a, a learning experience that I think has contributed to a lot of success over the last 20 or 25 years. Yeah, I uh, I think the very, very first time, and I, the difference is I didn't know that I learned it until years later. I went elk hunting, and this is, I had just moved to Arizona, so it was by 24, uh, 25 years ago. Yeah, maybe a little more, 26 years ago, something like that. And my uncle Joe drew an elk tag. And, you know, I picked up a Primo's video, like one of their old VHS one. I, you know, I, I don't even know. I think I'm pretty sure that was a Primo's that I can, that I can remember. And, uh, you know, how to call and this, this, and that. And, oh, it was a cassette tape. It wasn't even a video. It was a cassette tape. But I was listening to cassette and I was practicing in my truck and I'm like, all right, Uncle Joe, let's go out there. Let's go. Let's see if we can go find one. And, you know, I was just throwing every damn call I learned on the cassette tape at him. I didn't know what the hell I was saying. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I finally did something right. And, it, and I think it really was what I figured out was later on, it, it was the succession of how I did it. Like the, you know how you said you start you start off with a uh, a cow call and then you and then you immediately hit them with and I I basically did just that and it wasn't until I had a conversation and I don't know if it was with you or it was with no because it was it was a couple it was several years ago and I think you and I started talking just maybe a couple two three years ago but anyway so I had did that he I made the cow call and I didn't mean to but I cut him off with a bugle because I started bugling when he. Like I was already about to start bugling when he started bugling and I cut him off and he came in on a string and my uncle shot him. And I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm the man, you know, <laughs> first time out the box. And, uh, you know, but and then it was many years later and I figured out, I was like, 
because I went on so many other hunts and I didn't, I tried doing the same things and I didn't get it to work for me that I found out was because it just happened to time it perfectly that when he started bugling, I cut him off with my bugle and that got him pissed off enough that he came in and, you know, had to come see what the hell I was or what I, you know, whatever it was. So that was pretty cool. I think we can learn, you know, from trial and error and when we can, when we can put the pieces together and recognize what's working or what isn't working, there's a, a lot of growth that happens even in just one experience like that. And sometimes it takes looking back after five years and it's like, Hey, this just worked again. And I did something similar five years ago. There must be something to this and mm-hmm. replicating yep. that. I think that's what sets the guys who are consistently successful apart is that they're able to realize those things and start recalling back on the, what worked, when it worked and how it worked and, and being able to just constantly look for those situations and apply those, you know, those pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. So, yeah. And for me, you know, it was a similar thing. I've, I've elk hunted my whole life, but until 12 years ago or so, I couldn't explain what I did or how I did it. And Jay Scott actually uh, interviewed me for an article he was writing and made me kind of stop and think about, you know, he's asking these questions about what do you do in this situation and how do you handle this? And as I started analyzing each of those, I realized there is a, an actual formula or a strategy that I use just mm-hmm. about every time. And it really helped me at least identify and, and define what that was. Yeah, that's awesome. So we heard about what are your most memorable hunts. So now I would imagine this is memorable too, but I'm going to reword it. I want to hear about your most outrageous hunt. That's something that you were just like, I can't believe this happened. I mean, it just, I don't know if it's the biggest bull you ever shot or just the situation. Um, just give me one of those like super exciting, you totally. know, yeah. hunts that you'll never forget. Yeah. And there, there's a bunch of them and some of them are close calls. Some of them are successful hunts. Uh, but the one that comes to mind, I think that was kind of not meant to be, but turned out to be, uh, was a few years ago in Idaho. And I'd actually, it was a year that I drew the Arizona tag. And so I was focusing more on my hunting partner, Donnie. And at that point, uh, Donnie had not killed an elk yet. He'd been hunting elk for 17 years. And I had on an Arizona tag and he was going to go and film that. So I said, we're going to focus on you in Idaho. And we left the truck that morning and got about 200 yards up the trail. And Donnie said, oh, hold on. I forgot my bugle tube. And so he ran back to the truck, grabbed his bugle tube and, and came up. And we continued up the trail and we got about three quarters of a mile up the trail. And Donnie said, oh, I forgot my release. I got to head back. I'm like, no, we don't have time to head back. It's getting daylight. Just take my release. And so I gave him my release. So I said, I'm calling for you today anyway. We get up another half mile or so, and I let out a bugle of bull answers, and we move in and set up. And pretty soon, another bull's coming down the hill, coming in. And so I'm kind of set in the middle, bringing one across the hill to Donnie, and another one's coming down to me. And the bull above me got about 100 yards, and my bow's sitting 10 yards over on the ground. I got my backpack off, and I'm just playing choir director here, trying to bring a bull into Donnie. And I realize this bull above is coming straight to me, and Donnie's set up below me, and he's not going to have any chance at that one. So the bull gets about 100 yards, and I realize I've got to go pick up my bow at least. I pick up my bow, and I don't have a release on. And I'm thinking to myself, if this bull gets inside 20 yards, I know I can shoot fingers well enough inside 20 yards to to be effective. And so I put an arrow on, and I'm just more kind of just preparing for just in case the bull comes in close. Mm -hmm. And like you would direct it, 
bull got to 40 yards and the last tree between me and him, he walked behind it. So I come to full draw with fingers and I'm kind of anchoring in there looking, okay, my peeps here, pins are here, arrows here and just settling in there. And the bull walked into about eight yards and stood frontal and bugled right in my face, just eight yards looking right through me. (laughs) And I shot him frontal. And as I shot, I cow called and he turned 10 yards from me and stood there looking at me blood just pouring out and fell over right there in front of me just 10 yards away fell over and that's that's probably the one hunt that i didn't have amazing i didn't have anything and i just that's one i've always said i wish i would have had a camera for that hunt because it was pretty incredible that would have went viral on youtube for sure (laughs) shooting fingers and frontal shots all falls over right there it was everything you dream of Oh man, that's to nuts. follow up on that story, uh, we went out, I think it was the next evening, and had a bull bugling, got down there, and we kind of busted the herd out, and so I just ran through the thick brush bugling, trying to act like a pretty aggressive bull, and Donnie was right there by my side, and I'm kind of just standing there waiting to see what happens next, you can hear elk down 100 yards down the hill, and all of a sudden I see him come to full draw, and about 15 yards in front of me, I see antlers come up, and uh, he shot his first six-point bull, right there with me standing over his shoulder and you know to be able to share that after 17 years of hunting elk wow, with a bow and then crazy. Home, it was pretty awesome man that's some bad luck to have a hunt 17 years without getting one <laughs> that's uh, definitely lower than the average especially with friends like you <laughs> <laughs> well that was the first year we actually started hunting together so okay <laughs> he hunted 17 years before that just kind of on his own just self-taught pretty much and going out each season and doing the same things over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think guys really need to start. If you're having the same uh, outcome year after year, uh, definitely look at what you're doing and maybe it's Something's time to change. change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always constantly adapting sometimes a little bit too much, you know, like, yeah. you know, you overthink things, but it's yeah. funny. I, I, uh, my father-in-law did that forget the release thing. Not with a bull though. This was with a mule deer. And um, I he hadn't he hadn't shot one yet. And ever. So he's sixty I don't know, I think he was sixty-two or three at the time. And I stalk him into this buck and we we get in there and somebody had like it was so close to the road. There was like a little cutout off the highway. It was kind of like a drainage. And somebody had thrown pumpkins there. I think they were shooting at these pumpkins or something. So it was, you know, like they were from my Thanksgiving or whatever. And, you know, it it was December now and they had thrown these pumpkins and these deer, I could see they were heading straight for them. I didn't know the pumpkins were there at the time, but they were going straight down. I'm like, listen, we're going to cut them off. We get to this perfect spot. We get to about 40 yards and I don't have my bow. I'm like basically walking him in. Like I'm grabbing him by the shirt. I'm like, come on, we got to go here. We got to go here. We get to the spot and he goes to reach down. And he's like, oh, I don't have my release. Missed. <laughs> the buck stood there for four shots. Missed. Trying to shoot fingers. Oh, man. So, yeah. I, and, and it's funny because at that point, I said to myself, that's never going to happen to me. One, I always put a, I put an extra release in my pack so that doesn't yeah. happen. But if I was ever I, – I, I practiced – you know, I learned how to shoot and I can shoot down the shaft of the arrow because yeah. 
I feel like if I try to shoot using my pins, not going to work. I shoot shot in the shaft of the arrow, just like I shoot my recurve or my longbow uh, fingers. I could do it okay. Like like you said, 20, 25 yards. Yeah. I mean, down the shaft of the arrow, twenty five yards is you know dead on. But yeah, uh, so yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that, that that release story has happened to a lot of guys, man. A lot of guys and I talk to tell funny. me. About it. <laughs> it's been, you know, 10 years since that happened. And I still, when we get out of the truck and start off the trail, I still ask Donnie, hey, do you have your release? And, yeah. you know, it's it's to the point now where he rolls his eyes and like, yes, I have my release. But yeah. just one of those, those stories you never forget. Yeah. I can't say. I've done it before, I'm, you know, myself. But. Hey, I've always ended up figuring that out before I was actually stalking a buck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, gone back and lost part of the morning or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah. So, but um, I had a, I had a really really cool close encounter like that. Um, one of the first uh, times that I drew an elk tag in Arizona, I was just walking along this top of this bench. And I was just giving a little cow call every once in a while, giving a little cow call every once in a while. And all of a sudden, a bull bugles underneath me and I'm like, Oh, cool. Crazy. But I didn't have a bull tag. You know, I was just kind of, you know, trying to sound like a, like a calf, you know, I was trying to look for cows. And so I'm just walking along this ridge, walking along this ridge. And then, like I said, this bull, the bull bugles below me. And, um, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit right here. I just sat down and made another little cow call. I'm like, maybe this bull, has cows with them. I don't know. We'll see. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. This is like 20 years ago. Um, I'm like, okay. So sure enough, like within minutes, I see rack coming through the trees. I'm like, oh shit, here he comes. He came up and he literally came to my tree and I was sitting like this with my, like up against the tree with my legs out, just sitting here like that. I was trying to get my camera out when I realized that he didn't have any cows, but by that time it was like too, he was too close and I was like, oh, screw it. I'm not even going to get it, you know? And he came up and he was, he literally stopped and bugled two feet from my, from my feet. Yeah. And then when he didn't hear any answer, nothing happened, like three, four minutes went by, he started feeding. He was eating grass right by my boots. I thought he was going to step on me. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I was shit in the pants. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I said, if I had a bull tag, this would never happen in a million years. Yeah. I would never call this bull. It was a little five by five. It wasn't anything spectacular, but I, you know, at the time I hadn't even shot a bull yet. So I was like, you know, I had been on other people. So I didn't even, I hadn't drawn a, elk, a bull tag yet myself at that point. So yeah, I was like, oh, crazy, just crazy, crazy, crazy. And to this day, I've awesome. never had that close of an encounter with a bull. And, uh, Especially with them bugling, when they bugle that close, you can—it's just you oh can't even God. describe it. You feel it. It's like just the ground I felt shake, this breath in my face. Yeah, it stunk like an sob, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> crap, man!" You could tell he just had like pissed all over himself and everything. He was—I mean, I remember it like just like you could see like this like the smoke coming out of his you know the the vapors coming out of his mouth and everything it was nuts. I was like, "This is just incredible." I would have been really yeah, cool if I would have got the camera out in time, <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. So cool, man. You got any other uh, really cool experiences you want to share with us before we uh, jump you off? Know, I just, yeah, like you know Donnie's story. That was his first elk, and I've just with my kids now hunting, um, being able to share those experiences with them just seems to magnify it. 
especially if it's their first time. You know, my son shot his first elk with a bow last year. And just being able to share that with him and to relive that just raw excitement and passion that sometimes, you know, we've been doing it so long, we still get excited. But then when you see a 13-year-old shoot their first elk with a bow and walk up on it and turn around and look at you like this just really happened. Uh, those are those are experiences you can't replace, and just they're uh, they're far better than any experience I've had on my own to be able to share that with someone like that. Sweet. Did you have your son call up Donnie and rub it in his face? <laughs> so, I'm we, 13 we and quite, I got my first bullet. <laughs> well, we talk quite frequently because my son last year he shot his first bull with a bow, but he'd killed two with a rifle before that. Oh wow! He's hunted hunted a total of four days for elk and killed three elk. So. I keep telling him the odds, the odds are going to catch up with him. He's not oh, going to be able to continue God. that success, and it's going to it's going to hurt a little more for him. Must be nice to have oh. uh, Corey Jacobson as a dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, there's definitely when you hunt with somebody experienced that contributes. But he's just one of those kids that gets it. Just to watch him, and we filmed everything last year, and so we had a camera over his shoulder and. Half of us as adults, you know, with the camera over our shoulder, that's enough to make us nervous and, and mess up an elk hunt. Mm-hmm. But he stayed cool as a cucumber. The bull came in. He's ranging stuff. Bull comes in, turns to leave. He draws back. His shot execution was just rock solid. Shot made a perfect shot. The bull went 120 yards and was dead. Beautiful. Capturing all that on film to be able to have you know, for years to be able to relive that was pretty awesome. Amazing. What uh, if you don't mind asking, what did uh, what uh, what is he shooting for arrow setup and um, and bow setup at thirteen yeah, so that he can kill a bull with? Yeah, it's a great question because when he was eleven, uh, Idaho changed the law so that youth could hunt big game at ten, mm-hmm. and I wasn't prepared for it. He wasn't prepared for it. We thought we had until he was twelve, and I told him forever you have to be shooting forty five pounds out of a bow to hunt elk. And he got to 42 and was begging me, please let me hunt elk this year when he was 11. And I wouldn't do it. And the law in Idaho is 40 pounds. And 40 is, you know, sufficient. But I just, I don't want him to have a bad experience with his first elk of sticking it and just not getting penetration and losing it. Mm-hmm. And so I made him shoot 45 and then really closely monitored his shooting throughout the summer. And he shot a ton. And so... The first year that he could hunt with a bow, he was hunting with 45 pounds, but I told him he couldn't shoot past 30 yards. That was his absolute max. 30 and a half was out of the question. And last year he was up to, I think he was shooting 48, 49 pounds. Uh, he's shooting, uh, I think his arrows, 370 grains, 365 grains, somewhere in there. So, you know, definitely on the lighter side for an adult, but out of 45 pounds, it's probably about as heavy as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And plenty of effective. He got good penetration on the shot. And like I said, the bull only went 120 yards and was dead. So it's all, all about shot placement and accuracy. You know, a 45 pound bow, you don't hit a shoulder and go through. You don't, you know, I wouldn't let him take a quartering away shot just because getting enough penetration to get all the way into the vitals would be difficult. But good broadside shot and definitely have plenty of penetration. Cool. And good guide. Well, <laughs> I was back behind, so he was. That was the cool part. That was six yards behind, so I didn't get to see any of this until we watched it on film. Oh wow! He's out there making. You know, he's by himself with a camera guy, and camera guy hadn't elk hunted before, and so he's making all the decisions out there. And neat to 
neat to see how he did. Sweet. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and sharing some of your experience with us. I hope uh, some of the listeners could take away because, you know, there's always within stories. Yeah, they're entertaining, but there's always teaching points. And I'm, I'm glad you po- pointed out a lot of those, you know, a wise man or a smart man learns from his mistakes and a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's always fun to have you on and uh, I wish you good luck this season and uh, hope to hear some good things. And next next year, maybe we'll have some other other good uh, podcast stories to talk about. New stories to share for sure. And I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. Awesome. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word, and check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.